Podstarter. Every podcast starts somewhere. Hey, welcome to Podstarter. Uh, Reese, you just had an interesting conversation with uh, Sarah Ray Werner, I think, from uh, Girl in Space. What did you guys talk about? Sarah started a podcast. Uh, she, she's a writer by trade. Uh, she'd done a few podcasts that were about talking about the creative writing experience and trying to inspire people to do more writing. And then she decided to experiment with the audio medium in the podcast world by creating a a little solo audio drama that was about a, a character on a kind of half-dying spaceship on a research vessel floating in the middle of nowhere with a slightly sinister ai for company she basically um did a lot of sound design herself she got her mother-in-law to play to the robot um and created this little half an hour 40 minute kind of drama uh and that that was her intention it was just supposed to be a, a fun little experiment and she then got bombarded by lots of people asking her when the second episode was coming out and ended up going on this incredible journey where she slowly began to tell a much bigger story in every episode the world got a little bit bigger and the cast got a little bit bigger uh to the point now where she's got this kind of this whole rich kind of universe that she's built set in space around these characters uh that is kind of going exciting places she's got some real traction with it but it's we, we've talked about this. We, we've talked about it's it's uh, it's easy to do a podcast, but difficult to do a podcast well. It's it's easy to try something new, but it's it's scary at the same time. It sounds like she's she's jumped in with both feet. She's um, as you mentioned, she's she's focused as a creative writer and and started this journey not quite knowing what the end objective is. And you and I are doing a presentation that talks about building key performance indicators uh, with smart goals. All this marketing jazz. Um, be interesting to understand what her perspective is on why are you doing this and what are you hoping to get out of it? Yeah. Uh, but that's why I love podcasting is that sometimes people make something for the sake of making it. It's just in them and they need to get it out. And then suddenly it, it draws attention from people or connects with people in a way that they didn't expect. And there's not many mediums or platforms in the world where someone can just do something with no real financial investment, just a bit of time, and then have that kind of payoff creatively. So I, that, that, that's why I really like her story is that it's an example of podcasting as a medium allows creative people to be creative without any limits uh, within reason. And then uh, that becomes celebrated. If you go to girlinspace.com, uh, take a look at the huge amount of fan art that has been produced where people are creating visuals to go with the the audio that she's created. This is a reoccurring message that we keep hearing that uh, the foundation of most podcasts is passion. You have to have passion for uh, what you're talking about, the, the, the subject matter, the, uh, the creation that you're doing, the, the exercise of, of an actual podcast. Um, and from that, I think you can launch into success. I think you can't go at it the other way around. You can't have an interest and try to launch something and then develop the passion for it. And I can't remember who first told us that. Who said if 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 you go in thinking you're going to make millions, or if you go in thinking that you're going to have a huge audience, or if you think you're going to have a cult following, or if you if you don't have that initial passion, so that you feel good about what you're doing and and creating something that you're proud of, if you don't have that, you're not going to find a level of success. Exactly. Excellent. Well, Reese, we're looking forward to listening to the conversation with uh, you and Sarah Ray Werner with uh, Girl in Space podcast. Podstarter. Every podcast starts somewhere. 
Uh, so with me this week is Sarah Ray Werner, and you have uh, an amazing podcast called Girl in Space, which uh, I, I, I guess it's a, a podcast audio drama and is very much uh, a, a kind of sci-fi solo adventure that, as you listen to the episode, starts to expand into this much bigger saga. And it is great. It's, it's a great example of um, what can be achieved in podcasting. So, Sarah, could you just tell us a bit more about your podcast or describe it in your own words? Oh, absolutely. And my gosh, Reese, thank you for having me on your show. This is so fantastic. Um, girl in Space is the story of a girl in space. I mean, that's that part of it's maybe slightly obvious. Um, but really, it is sort of a look at... Um, I don't know. I tell people in a way that the story is autobiographical, um, you know, because a lot of the times, even when we have stories that are fictional, um, there's always an element of truth involved. Uh, so Girl in Space, it, I started writing it at a time when I was going through um, a huge life change and sort of decided to document it fictionally. Um, so, you know, obviously I didn't go into space, but uh, a lot of the themes there, uh, dealing with isolation, dealing with people coming in and out of your lives that you didn't necessarily ask to be there, um, looking at what it means to work with and for other people. There's just a lot of things there that I wanted to explore in a fictional sense. Um, and so that's kind of where that came from. It's kind of the classic sci-fi, um, role of, uh, Make, telling a really relatable, uh, relevant story in a in an abstract way that means that nobody gets upset. Exactly. <laughs> so people are like, <laughs> "Hey, this is about me." It's like, no, no, no. It's about about space. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> could you tell us a bit about like your background? Because Girl in Space from the first episode sounds very um, accomplished in terms of the production design, the writing, and how it's been put together. I kind of, I, I'm. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm kind of skeptical that it was your first stab at doing this kind of thing. <laughs> well, it's very flattering. So thank you. Um, hilariously, it kind of was in a way. So I started podcasting back in 2015. I launched the Right Now podcast, which is a podcast for writers and creatives. And it's a little bit more the traditional nonfiction podcast. So it's just kind of me talking about what it means to live as a writer and live in a place of creativity and practicality and um, how to keep yourself motivated creating when the world is sometimes a terrible place. And um, I had found such joy and success in creating the Right Now podcast that I kind of just started thinking, well, what if I did something fictional? You know, what if I did, um, what if I wrote a novel and like read it and had that as a podcast? And then I sort of very clumsily stumbled into the world of audio drama, which already existed. Um, and I just sort of started learning things from listening to a lot of different shows. I was listening to the black tapes and welcome to night Vale and Tannis and a lot of the shows that were really big at the time. And I was like, okay, okay, I think I can do this. And so I jumped into creating girl in space, just sort of as an experiment, uh, to see what telling my own fictional tale in the audio space would look like. And I'm actually kind of glad I didn't know a lot more of it. Uh, going in, because um, I, I just went into it with, you know, I'd never written a script in my life. 
Um, I just sort of wrote a script and experimented and stumbled through it on the way. Um, but I, I had experience editing the Right Now podcast. So I had that experience editing a nonfiction show. And I was like, oh, how much harder could it be to do a fictional show? Um, and then this is where you cue the laugh track because it is ridiculously, immensely more difficult. Um, a 30 minute episode of the Right Now podcast usually takes me about eight to 15 hours to create, produce, prepare for, edit, you know, all of that stuff. An episode of Girl in Space for 30 minutes takes me over 100 hours. And that is in writing, editing, uh, connecting with my cast members. Um, finding sound effects. It's just, it's just such a crazy process, but yeah, most of that, um, all of the sound design, um, script writing, all of that, I kind of was just figuring out, um, as I went along. So thank you for your very gracious words and saying that it sounds good. It's, it's one of those situations where you, you kind of start out and you're going, well, what, what, what do I have in front of me that I can make something yes. good with and grow? And, you know, the concept of, of you know, the, 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 the main character being stranded in space on this kind of half dead spaceship and just having themselves to talk to and, and uh, being just very introverted and, and doing this audio diary. You know, that's the, that was really achievable for you to do with what you had around you. But it, with the creative audio medium, you could build this entire world. And there were no, there's no real limit in audio to what you can do. Um, I come from like a TV background. and mm. You're always limited by your budget and the budget shows. But when it comes to audio, you can you can have dinosaurs, you can have whatever you want. It's great. As long as you can find the sound effects or make them yourself, you can, you can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really wonderful. I kind of try to take an X-Files approach to it where, you know, the really great episodes of the X-Files are the ones, the scary ones really are, are the ones where you don't see the monster necessarily, or you don't see it fully. It's just sort of alluded to or hinted to. I try to take that sound, that same approach with my sound design. So if you're working with a very limited set of resources, like I was, um, like all of my sound effects, I either made or came from freesound.org. Um, which is a fantastic resource for podcasters who are looking to getting uh, to getting into sound design. Um, and, and so I kind of to make do with what I had, I had to be sort of subtle with a lot of stuff and just be very um, less is more sort of an approach to the sound design. You're obviously very passionate about the, the sci-fi genre in the sense of your audience were you, were you aiming it for people like yourself or people that you thought might just get a kick out of um like a new take on on, on that kind of uh, storyline that's such an excellent question and it's it's really interesting um you know I, I think that it's very important that we as writers and creators so whether you create a fictional podcast or a non-fictional podcast it's really important to understand your audience and so that's something that i always tell creators like hey who are you making this for understand um, who they are, where they are, what they want. Um, but really, it's I think it's even more important that you're creating something that you yourself enjoy. Um, I've been a writer for years for most of my career, and there's a huge difference in the things that I write for other people and the things that I write for myself. And I think that when you're creating this to um, you know, make something really fun for yourself, something that you truly enjoy making. I think that that gives it that special spark that people really, um, are, are attracted to. Um, Stephen King has a quote where, um, in his book on writing, he talks about, you know, when the creator, when the writer, when the artist is having fun, the audience is probably having fun too. And I really like to take that approach, uh, when I'm, when I'm creating that, um, 
uh, that anything that I'm putting into it, like that's exactly what the audience is taking out. The other thing is I really wanted to create a story you know, because I, I grew up uh, reading sci-fi and reading fantasy, reading mystery. I, I read pretty much every genre. I love horror. Um, I love everything. And there's just so many tropes that you can, you know, pick out of um, each genre that makes it simultaneously very lovable, but also very predictable. Um, and so I, I wanted to play around with some of these tropes and experiment with what made, what, how you could twist a trope to still make it lovable um, and to still hit the beats that the audience is going to look for and expect, but then to subvert it in a way uh, that makes the work your own. So there's a million different podcasts out there that take place in space and they're all different in different ways. And that's freaking fantastic. Um, I wanted mine to be, again, it's since it's a little bit autobiographical, I wanted it to be about a non-traditional hero. So somebody who prefers to be alone, someone who's uh, on a space station and isn't shouting to be rescued, uh, someone who really takes joy in their work and isn't like, oh, you know, I want to just escape and go somewhere like she really enjoys being a scientist and making coffee and living on her space station. Um, so I, I just wanted to show someone um, who is living a really joyful, purposeful, meaningful, isolated lifestyle. And I wanted to put that in a sci-fi setting where traditionally you give someone a gun and they're the hero. Um, our hero never touches a gun and in fact uh, talks her way through most of her problems. And so the risk that you take there is, you know, making your audience feel alienated, um, making them feel like, why am I reading this? This isn't the story that I was expecting or looking for. So you have to be careful, A, to set the expectations of what they're going to get, which is why the opening sort of meta description for my show in your podcatcher is, this is just the story of a girl in space. Like, you're not going to get, you know, screeching laser battles and all that stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's just wandering exactly. around. Um, but at the same time, uh, you want people to... Um, be able to connect with your story, which is why I have references to Jurassic Park, which is why I have references to coffee and cheese. So I very, I wanted to be very deliberate that if I'm going to alienate my alienate my audience in a way um, that shows them a a different take on how to build a sci-fi story, I want them to be able to still relate to it. So that's why um, a lot of the callbacks to uh, like Pink Floyd and coffee and cheese and Jurassic Park are all present in the story, just so that the audience does see some familiarity. The reason I really liked it was that I grew up watching Red Dwarf. I don't know if you've ever yes! seen Yes! So, and, and that was like, you know, <laughs> just completely anti-sci-fi, you know, the most un-sci-fi yes. yes. kind of sci-fi. Um, and I really like the, the idea of people way over their heads, all this kind of crazy sci-fi stuff going on around, and they're just coping. I really like that. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> I like, love it like, too. I like love Red Dwarf. a normal Dwarf. person would. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> How how long were you making this show where you did not have any real response from people? At what point did you get where you were like, I've put 100 hours into this episode and then you had some feedback or a review that made you go, I'm going to spend another 100 hours doing the next mm. episode. Did that take a while or was that kind of a really quick thing for you? That's such a good question. I love that you asked that because I feel like so many podcasters struggle with that because a lot of the time we rely on that audience engagement, that audience response, those reviews, we rely on that for validation that what we're doing is worthwhile. And um, I had already had 
uh, one podcast. And so back in 2015, I launched right now. And that took so long to even get 100 listeners. Um, it took me episode after episode, but I was going into it with this mentality that, oh, I'm just experimenting. I don't expect, I, so I had set these expectations for myself that I didn't necessarily expect fame and fortune to come out of this show. I was making it primarily just to see if I could or what I could get away with or, um, you know, really just creating for the joy of it. Um, at the time I started Girl in Space, uh, I, I was still working a full-time job. And so I didn't really need to rely on Girl in Space to bring in income. Um, I, so there was really no pressure on it to perform. And, um, and I had had expectations set back in 2015 when I launched right now that like, you know what, I might just get, you know, six downloads on the day I launch and that's okay. And it may never take off. And that's also okay because I'm just making this for the heck of making something. And sort of the opposite to that happened. And I found myself in a place where I released Girl in Space in September 2017. And I had only created one episode. And again, because I didn't expect that there would be a response to it at all. And so I just released this one 30 minute episode out into the wild. And there was just this, I don't know if the stars aligned or what happened, but um, I was, at I attended podcast movement in Anaheim in August, 2017. So the month before I launched the show and I was there and I was like making friends with other podcasters and hanging, hand, handing out my business cards that said girl in space on them and just meeting people and just being really excited about podcasting in general. And I think that that plus the fact that I sort of had an existing audience from the people who listened to the Right Now podcast, um, I, I think that that really gave it a little bit of a boost. And so um, right away when it when it launched, uh, Girl in Space appeared on the front page of iTunes. So it's Apple Podcasts now. It was iTunes at the time. Um, it, it appeared on the front page of iTunes, and then it was in New and Noteworthy for a while. And that was at this, and it's all this amazing, beautiful timing, uh, because that was the time when Spotify was also getting, starting to get into podcasting. And they saw that Girl in Space had been featured on the front page of iTunes. And they're like, oh, so then they featured Girl in Space um, on the, whatever the initial um, sort of user interface was for Spotify podcasting at the time. Um, and that really helped build a, an audience on Spotify for Girl in Space. And so it was sort of the, my expectations had been that Girl in Space was going to grow very slowly, just like the Right Now podcast did, but it sort of was the other way around. And I'm very, very grateful for that. I'm very grateful for that. I'm so grateful for the people who downloaded the show right away and just um, started sending me messages. And it, it was just so unexpected. Um, but what was horrifying about it was that again, since I had launched it as an experiment with really no thought that it might be even marginally successful, I didn't have a second episode written. I didn't have like anything else. Like I just <laughs> like girl in space was that one episode. And I was like, well, okay. So now it's time to start writing another episode. And I ended up, 
um, sort of like being essentially, you know, running down a hill or a mountainside with an avalanche coming behind you. Like, so I could never keep up with the schedule that I wanted to. Um, again, I was still working full time. Um, and so I was trying to like crank out this enormous project, uh, at the same pace that I thought other similar audio dramas were cranking out their shows. So like the black tapes came out every two weeks. Little did I know they had already written it ahead of time and recorded it ahead of time and they were just releasing it. Um, so that's definitely something that I will be doing with season two of girl in space is writing the whole thing ahead of time. But, um, no, it's, it's just so weird. Like what we <laughs> expect and then what actually happens. Um, you know, we can, we can try to even those things out. We can try to make, uh, the results match our expectations with good marketing, with good PR. But, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes the universe uh, just very beautifully aligns. It's amazingly gratifying to know that you've created something that's genuinely come from the heart and been a passion project. Uh, and then people respond. It's not something you, it's not a commissioned piece or anything. It's just something you made for you. Right. Uh, and then other people like it. And then you're not just making it for you, you're making it for them as well. And uh, you're just describing it as an avalanche. <laughs> It is great because it is. It's just you, the, the sense that now you have to uh, feed the beast. You, 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 you're kind of the expectation yes. is it, and you want, you want to, you want to, you want to delight them. You want to make them happy, and you want them to be just as excited as they were from that first episode. So, how did that? Did that inspire you, or terrify you, or was it like fifty fifty <laughs> in that sense? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it was, it was fifty fifty, and a whole lot more. It was. Oh my gosh. Well, so I tried for a while. I tried to keep up with the biweekly thing. And then I was just like, okay, no, uh, let's go to monthly. And then, uh, oh my gosh. And then came the finale and it took me eight months to write and produce this finale. It was, and, and the whole thing was just wadded up in fear and anxiety because I was at the point now where, um, you know, fast forward to, I think the finale to Girl in Space came out in August, 2019. So like almost two years later, and I was getting one star reviews, like where's the finale? And this producer is inconsistent. And who's behind this? You know, uh, don't they understand what their audience wants? And I, and I had, uh, in the meantime, I had left my full-time job to quote unquote podcast full-time. And I felt like I wasn't even living up to that, um, because I couldn't get this, you know, uh, this episode out. And it was just so wrapped up in anxiety and fear and doubt. And you get to this place where other people have expectations. So it's not even just your expectations anymore that you have to appease. It's your expectations and the, you know, your audience's expectations and they want it now and they want it for free. And it's just, it's just this weird, I don't know, you get into a weird place where you don't know how to value yourself as a creator. You're like, oh, am I creating something like really stupid and garbagey that doesn't matter? Or am I creating like the best thing that's ever been made? And of course, the answer is it's somewhere, you know, on the spectrum between <laughs> those two extremes, you know. Um, but you really, you really start to question who you are and why your work is impacting people and what you owe your audience and what you owe yourself. And I mean, it, it's just, it gets, it gets really complicated, especially if you tend to overthink things as much as I do. So it was just a very weird time. And, and without wanting to give too much away of the plot, 
um, uh, to anyone who's who's going to tune in f- if they've uh, kind of listened to this and are kind of intrigued by it. The cast does expand as time goes on. Um, and I'm, yes. I won't go into any more detail than that. But um, how, how was that for you going from, this is just going to be me, I'm going to record this and do it myself, to then actually becoming like a, a, a casting director um, and, and having to um, audition and, and have other people uh, become part <laughs> of your project? Oh my gosh, it was so bizarre. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, so initially I wasn't going to expand it. I was not going to have any more characters. And I was talking with my husband and he's like, oh my gosh, Sarah, nobody's going to listen to a sci-fi show that's just like one person like rambling around in space. And I'm like, okay, I'll try. You know, this is an experiment. So I'll experiment with adding some characters. Um, so it's really funny. I love that you, um, very kindly and generously said casting direction, because what I did was I, I asked people I knew to just like (laughs) fill in as voices. So like, like Charlotte, the AI, like that's my mother-in-law. Like that's not a, that's not like a, a a famous actor. Like that's my mother-in-law, and we I, were like, I love the fact that you cast your mother-in-law as the sinister AI. <laughs> I know. Well, and it's funny because I asked her. I was like, okay, um, this is might be a little weird question, but how would you uh, would you be okay with performing the part of this like? kind of snarky nasty robot and she's like oh it sounds really fun and i was like oh my gosh bless you so um so my mother-in-law agreed to be the ai um i was still playing the main part and then my brother-in-law lives in la and he had um he was living with a bunch of guys and he was like hey do you need some guys as voice actors and i was like oh my gosh yes please because i don't know anyone um at the time when i'd first started the show i really wasn't ingrained in the audio drama community yet and so i didn't know how to do a casting call i didn't know any actors and i was like oh my gosh anybody who's willing to be in this project um and at the time i was still thinking of it as this like weird little basement project that i was you know that i was making in in a weird little basement and um I was like, oh my gosh, just tell them, you know, I'll give them money. Just like, if they're willing to be in the show, that would be so fantastic. And so like, really, that's how I cast the show. It was just pretty much being desperate and and having uh, my brother's roommates and college friends like be generous with their time uh, and agree to be in this show. And then like later, as I started casting more people, um, I met more people in the audio drama community. Um, There's one character in particular who... I just like, I don't want to give any spoilers, but there's a character that comes in who is voiced by a podcast creator whose show really, really got me into the horror side of podcasting. And so I wrote a role for her and I was, and then after I wrote the role, I was like, oh my gosh, will you please be in my show? And I was like, I hope I'm not being really creepy, but, um, and so she very graciously agreed to me. So basically my casting directing, uh, was basically me begging people to please be on my show. Um, did you make a list of friends? And work I did, through it? I did. And like one of my old coworkers plays a character. And um, then finally, uh, there there is one part that I cast and um, I won't tell you who that is, but there was, I've only, I only officially did a casting call ever for, uh, for one part in the show. And so uh, I think season two, if I, I don't know if I could do it all over again. Um I don't know. I don't know if I would do it more officially. I feel like I kind of had to do it this way to learn what works and what doesn't. Um, And of course, there's downsides to having family and friends voice your characters. They back out. They, uh, you know, they they 
don't have the time and energy to commit to table reads. Uh, so you, you end up working with some limitations that I don't think I'd want to work with again. But uh, yeah, it's definitely been a good educational experience. <laughs> but you've, you've definitely done something right, because I was looking at your website, and there's an immense amount of fan art. Yes. You seem to inspire, the show seems to have inspired, and I guess like Girl in Space, it already puts images in your head of, um, you know, just within three words. So, you know, with the extra kind of layers that you've added with the storytelling. Um, did that did, was that something that surprised you because i i had a show in the uk that um, i'm not as involved in anymore and when we used to get up like fan art i was kind of just like yeah. what is this <laughs> i don't understand what's going on it was amazing but at the same time it's, it's kind of the ultimate form of flattery when you create something that makes other people want to create and something. you know it's so funny that you say that that you put it in that way um because really that's the mission that i had set out for the right now podcast i wanted to create the right now podcast to inspire people to create their own art to create their own writing, you know, their own poetry and that kind of stuff. And it's just really funny that I think Girl in Space has generated more of that than the Right Now podcast has. Um, but oh my gosh, every time I see a piece of fan art, I just like break, like my heart breaks in the best way. And it's sort of like, I don't even know, it's sort of like sharing like a loaf of bread with friends. Like, you're 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 yeah. giving and they're being nurtured and then they're giving back with their presence and you're sort of sharing this really beautiful meal um together and what you've created becomes part of their story and then they show you their vision i mean it's just it's 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 an incredible feeling um and i i'm in my i record in my office here and i have there's like a cross stitch on my wall that someone sent me that's really beautiful and i have a painting that somebody made of the girl in space logo and i'm just it, it's you know earlier i talked about reviews and engagement from the audience being validation but this somehow goes beyond validation this goes Oh gosh. And I want to talk about it in a way that doesn't feel like overwrought, like, Oh, I'm touching lives. And I'm like, do you know, I don't want to be that person because I'm not. Um, it's just really yeah, yeah. beautiful to see reflections of the thing that you've created reflections of the images in your head becoming real is it's, it's an indescribable experience. Also as well, you know, there's, there's so much choice and so many different options for people to listen to or watch and get inspired by and, and talk about. Um, and, and knowing that people are taking the time out of all those options yeah. to, to give a bit of time around that, it was just, it's just, just, it's just baffling, but also yeah. kind of like, is, is the real fuel that keeps you going, I suppose. It is. It's a gift. It's it a is. gift. Yeah, yeah. Like every piece of fan art or fan fiction or whatever it's even reviews left. Those are, those are gifts because people dedicating their very limited time and energy to telling you that they appreciate your show in such a deep way is just, it's the, it's the best gift. The next step is action figures. You need to do some action <laughs> figures. <laughs> I'm excited about that. That'd be good. <laughs> I want like a little accessory coffee cup for eggs. <laughs> exactly. Um, what, what has been for you in your personal and professional life? What has been the upshot of um, this success? What, what opportunities has it given you and allowed you to have from this kind of one show that kind of took off? Oh, gosh, that's oh, my gosh. This this show has changed my life in ways I never, ever would have imagined. Like, um, 
I've been invited to speak at different places. I was invited to speak at New York Comic Con this year, which was a true honor. Um, like just even even meeting other people, meeting other creators, um, and and being able to think of myself as a creator who is maybe not necessarily equal to these other creators who I admire, but we're all on the same playing field together. That has been truly revolutionary in the way that I think about myself and the, the way that I think about creating and what it means to be a creator. Um, Opportunity-wise, um, there are things happening that I am not legally allowed to talk about right now, but I can insinuate very heavily that um, Girl in Space is in the works um, of being transported into other mediums. And that's... Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. It's um, it's a very, very, very slow process. And, and even like <laughs> even knowing going in that it was going to be a very slow process, I am still shocked by how slow this process is. Um, but it's happening and it's moving forward. And it's, it's really, really delightful. So... Um, I, I don't know. I I never thought about any of this. I'd never planned or expected any of this to happen. And I'm just so incredibly grateful to be in a place where it is happening. I guess you've just got to enjoy the ride then. Yeah, it, um... yeah it's the, the <laughs> slowest ride in the universe. But yes. <laughs> it's like the, it's a small world. It of is. The, uh, kind of... <laughs> Exactly. Um, and uh, personally, then, what, what would you say is the the achievement you're most proud of so far? Um, and, and it's not always necessary, like, I got an award. Right. Sometimes it's just like one email that can really just, you know, make it oh. put everything in perspective, I suppose. Oh, I love that you said that because, oh, this this show is, oh my gosh, has done so much. Um, and I, I don't want to say like, oh, the show's fantastic. It does all this great stuff. Because it doesn't. It's it's not about that. It's about what it means to create a story and how people interact with that story. And I just immediately, when you said that, I thought of, um, there was a father who sent me an email and he said, hey, I just wanted to thank you for making Girl in Space. Uh, I have a 13-year-old daughter and this is the thing now that we do on the weekends is we look forward to listening to an episode of Girl in Space together in the car. And I was like, okay, like that, that's what this is about. It is, it is about bringing people together and exploring each other's relationship with yourself. And I don't know, it just, that just hit me in a way that like something like an award or um, being asked to speak somewhere, it's just so fundamentally different. And um, it, that was just really personally meaningful for me having a father and a daughter connect over my show it because they wouldn't have otherwise uh, had a reason to connect. That's amazing because your mind instantly goes back to like, hey, when I was a kid, I used to watch this yeah. show with, with with my dad or whatever. And you kind of, you know, to, to know that you're one of those yes. things that is allows people to bond and, and kind of build those memories around is oh, that's mind blowing. Wow, that's you great. said that in a, you said that way better than I did. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I did. But. What? do you think has been the the kind of secret ingredient to your show that has uh, propelled it to where it is and, and kind of taken it where it is? Oh, that's a good question. Um, this is going to be sort of a weird answer, but I'm going to say it anyway. And that okay. is uh, the element of warmth. Um, I, I think that when you're working with a very intimate medium like podcasting, like audio drama, um, anything that connects with people, um, 
in a way that like stimulates their imagination and makes them feel something. Um, there's a lot of podcasts out there that make people feel sad or angry or hurt or righteously indignant. Um, I don't think there's a lot of shows out there that make people feel warm and loved. And I've really tried to infuse every episode of Girl in Space. And again, this is very, very counter to most science fiction. Um, I, I, I really wanted to make people feel accepted and warm and loved and nurtured. And um, so when I made the decision to expand the cast and add some additional characters, I wanted to be very intentional about having them come together in a way that sort of dealt with found family, with how are these people coming together to not necessarily cause problems in each other's lives, even though, you know, it, they're characters, so they inevitably will cause problems for each other because it's, you know, people living together in a very small space. But what I wanted to focus on was how do these people enrich each other's lives? How do they encourage each other to grow and to find joy and to find meaning in their own lives? And how do they help each other heal? Um, a lot of science fiction is focused on how do we tear each other apart? Like, and how do we tear ourselves apart and how are we destroying our planet and how are we doing all these things? I wanted to look at how do we build meaningful relationships that begin to heal? And I, I think a lot of that comes through in the tone, in the story, in the characters. And, um, and I think that's really part of, at least part of what I think people have latched onto. What piece of advice would you give to someone who was uh, starting out um, to, to kind of inspire them into, uh, you know, following through on a passion project like you did? Oh, man, I love this question. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's it's so interesting because so many people are starting uh, starting podcasts right now or they're thinking of starting podcasts. And I, I feel like some very most people will just say, like, just start, just start. Um, I would say, you know, yes, start. But if you're going to start, make sure you know why you're doing it. Because there's so many, there, there's a lot of reasons to start your podcast. I feel like there are more reasons to stop your podcast. There are so many things that um, one-star reviews can be hurtful. You'll get a lot of people telling you, like, why are you wasting your time doing this? You know, there, there's a lot of negativity out there. And, and I want to tell people that um, if you have a solid reason behind why you're doing it, that can help propel you forward. So for me, knowing that it was a fun experiment, knowing that it helped me to explore my own issues that I was going through at the time, knowing that um, it was just fun and that, and, and as I progressed, that it was slowly starting to resonate with people really kept me going. Um, so I really advise you to um, understand first and foremost, when times get tough, remember why you're doing this. Remember you're doing this because you love it, because there is joy in it, and because there is true transformation in the process. Um, so I think that that's, I feel like that's very like wishy-washy advice, but I think that that's my advice. Okay. No, it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, usually some people just go buy a microphone. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you need one of those too, but. <laughs> Tell us a bit about the uh, where people can find uh, Good in Space, how they can download it, and what is uh, 
coming up soon in terms of season Ooh. two as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's see, people can find Girl in Space just by searching for Girl in Space on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio. It's everywhere. You can find it. You can also find our website at girlinspacepodcast.com. Uh, you can find my website and all of my shows out at sarahwerner.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-W-E-R-N-E-R.com. Uh, and season two, I am in the... I'm in this like weird nebulous brainstorming process right now uh, where I'm trying to like figure out the season instead of just writing it and releasing it episode by episode like I did with season one, trying to be uh, a professional and organized about how I produce season two. So uh, I'm in the process of creating and writing that right now. I'm hoping that it will come out sometime in the fall of 2020. So uh, yeah, you can keep your eyes out for that. Otherwise, Reese, you've been a delightful host. Thank you so much for having me on your show. No problem at all. I'm just so grateful. You'll have to have to stay in touch and um, tell us about the experience yes, of transferring mediums. Yes, please. Yes, please. I would <laughs> love that. I would love that. It's been weird so far. So <laughs> That's great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Visit podstarter.io to find out how we can help you build the podcast you and your audience needs. To listen to more episodes, search Podstarter wherever you find your podcasts or visit our website. You can also find us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Podstarter is produced in Nova Scotia, Canada by podstarter.io.